The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Amen. Well, we're going to actually uh, conclude this series today on the marks of success, Lord willing. Um, when I wrote this series originally back in, in 2004, I was teaching, I was a teacher of the auditorium Bible class then, and I taught this same series of lessons. It was 28 lessons long, but it's taken, we've been, we've been on this for well over a year, and that's primarily because I teach every other week, and sometimes uh, we don't, I don't teach, so it's, 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 extended that 28-week study to about 62 weeks. But um, so I'm not going to ask if any of you remember lesson one in the marks of success because I, I don't even remember what lesson one was if I, unless I look back. But let's turn to Acts chapter 9 together, and we're going, to, we're going to summarize everything I've been teaching for the last uh, 28 lessons in three, in three points. And so... Uh, uh, often with the Word of God, that it's very difficult just to get to three points because there's so much truth that has to be examined. So, but let's go to Acts chapter 9 together, and we'll begin reading at verse 1. We read here, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us. I pray now that you would instruct us from your word and that you would strengthen us to to do the work that you've called us to do. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today I want to talk to you about investing. And in our society today, people are, are really into investments, right? People invest their money into stocks and bonds and mutual funds, trying to provide for later in life, make sure that they're comfortable and, and that they can take a life of leisure and ease. And, and they invest in many things. We invest, uh, we invest in the future of our, of our economy. We invest in the future of our communities and all these things. And today, I want to speak to us. Uh, I want to conclude this study on the, on the marks of success and this study on discipleship by just sharing a few thoughts of, of the things that we, as God's children, should invest our lives in. Now, Paul uh, here, it's, it's, we see a willingness on his, on his part, a willingness to do whatever was necessary 
to further the work of the Lord. As you study Paul's life from this moment on the road to Damascus, you will see that Paul gave everything of himself, everything he had, he, he, he gave, he invested, if you will, into the work of the church, into the, uh, unto the Lord himself. But, but the most interesting thing to me is in verse 6, the very first thing. Now, we know here from studying the scripture that Paul is laying on this road. He's a powerful man among, among the Pharisees. He's, he's in the upper echelon. But as he's lying here in the dirt on this road, um, he's blind. And the first thing that comes to his mind is what? Lord, what do you want me to do? Paul was willing to do whatever it took. He was willing to do whatever the Lord asked of him. Now, what about you and I today? As we sit in this church and as across our country today, there are countless, probably hundreds of thousands of people sitting in churches just like this. What about all of us today? What are we willing to do? What are we prepared to invest our lives into? And, and I understand that there, are a lot of, that there are a lot of things pulling at us every day. Uh, I'm a family man. I have a, I have a wife. I have a family. I have responsibilities, and, and I have a lot of things pulling at me every day. All of you do, too. Those of you who have children, you know what I'm talking about. You, there's a constant weight upon your shoulders to, to make the right choices, make the right decisions, because the future of your, of your family's financial well-being is, is in the balance. And, and we worry about these things. We worry about making our mortgage notes. And we worry about, will, I, will my car break down and I'll have a major repair? Uh, will something happen to me and, and I'll have major medical bills? And all these things weigh upon us and, and we're concerned with them. And certainly I don't belittle these things. I understand as... as as men and women sit in churches today, we are admonished by the word of God. Jesus said, take no thought for these things. Jesus said, don't worry about these things. I've, I've promised you I'll take care of you and you need not worry about these things. But our human nature often overtakes us and we do concern ourselves with these things. And sometimes these concerns hinder us from doing all that we can do and all that we should do in the local church and for the work of the Lord. Does that make us bad people? No. Makes us people. <laughs> makes us normal. But God has called us to be <clears throat> supernatural, if you will. He's empowered us. He's engifted us with his own spirit that we would be able to overcome all of these worries and all of these concerns and casting all of our cares upon him, lean fully and trust fully on him. So Paul, we see him here on the road to Damascus and suddenly he, he's struck blind by the Lord. He, his power is gone from him. He collapses to the ground. He's blind. He, he's helpless but yet he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? What will thou have me do, Lord? So I want to share three thoughts this morning. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll conclude this study on, on discipleship and the marks of success. And we'll move on to another one. 
But first this morning, I want to say this. First, if we are going to be disciples of Jesus Christ, then we must be willing to invest our time. We must be willing to invest our time. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, if you'd like to turn there, go ahead. It'll take some time. But in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, Solomon writes this. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love And a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. Solomon, of course, we know, was gifted with with, uh, God's wisdom, supernatural wisdom. He He was the wisest man to ever live with the exception of Jesus Christ, the man. And Solomon, in his wisdom, is trying to explain to us that we have many different segments of time in our life and and time is a part of our life and 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 we expend time and and we 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 uh share time and all these things each of us here this morning is given an allotment of time how much time we simply don't know do we some children are born and they die within hours of their birth Some people live over 100. Some people die at 40 or 50. Some people die in their teens. You and I today don't know how much time God has allotted to us. Just think about how much different your life would be if you knew exactly how much time you had. If the Lord came to you and said, John, you've got 24 more hours. Well, your decisions in that time would probably be much different, wouldn't they? John would probably decide, I'm going to spend these last 24 hours of my life uh, out there trying to reach people for Christ. So if if we knew how much time we had, things would be different. Yet God in his wisdom does not allow us to know how much time we have. Instead, he desires that we would learn to live every moment of our life just as if it was our last moment on this earth, that we would invest every moment of our life fully into him, fully into his word, fully into his purpose. Every moment. You and I, James addressed this. He said, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Solomon said, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Now, as I stand here this morning, I hope to have many years left. I hope to have many pain-free, suffering-free years left. 
I hope to spend I hope to see my grandsons graduate from high school. I hope to see them get married. I hope to see them have children of their own. I hope to see them rejoice in the Lord. I hope to see them living for Christ every day of their life. I hope to see all these things, but you know what? I could I could die today. I could I could be in a fatal car crash. So my wife is now going to ride home with my son. She's not going to ride home with me now. That's like the, the story once of the man who was flying in an air, the preacher in an airplane, and he was, he was very concerned, and the man next to him was one of his church members. He said, well, preacher, you always said when it's your time, it's your time. He said, yeah, but maybe it's your time, and I'm stuck in this plane with you, so I don't know. <laughs> we don't know when it's our time. We don't know when we will die. So let me, let me share some thoughts with you this morning, what we should do with our time. First, we're to use our time to honor God. We're to use it to honor God. In Mark chapter 12, verses 29 and 30, and Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. We should use every moment of our life to bring honor to the name of God. That means we're responsible for everything we do. We live in a society today that says, you can't tell me what to do. I have my rights. But let me say this. As a child of God, we don't have rights. We've been bought with a price. And as a child of God, our responsibility is to honor our Father. There is nothing that proves our love to God more than our obedience to him. In 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22, we read, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. If we honor God, let us honor him with our time. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 23, we read, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, Concerning the feasts of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest and holy convocation. You shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. We're to honor God with our time. God told his children, you do not, the, the Sabbath day, the seventh day is holy unto me. You honor me in that day. The Lord said, I give you six days to labor, but the seventh is mine. We are to honor God with our time. We are to live holy lives. We are to live righteous lives. We are to be honest people, not going around uh, manipulating, not going around lying, not going around stealing, not going around involving ourselves in things and with people that we ought not be involved with. You know, you may, you may do something that no one ever sees. But if it's, if it's something wrong, it dishonors God. And by the way, God saw it. And also, the angels in heaven saw it. That's right. Hebrews tells us we're, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And, and even when we're separated from everyone else and totally unseen and totally alone, we can dishonor God before the angels in heaven, before the, the host of souls in heaven. We can show dishonor to God in our lives, and we must be cautious about this. We must honor God with our time. 
You know, I, I can remember growing up when no one worked on Sunday. I remember when J. Ray McDermott, the largest employer in our area, a major manufacturer, would close their factory on Saturday afternoon and would not reopen until Monday morning. No one worked on Sundays. I remember that time. I can remember a day when everyone was in church on Sunday. I can remember as a young boy driving to church on Sunday morning and seeing uh, several people going into the Baptist churches and into the Methodist churches. And, and, and I, I, everyone went to church on Sunday. If you didn't go to church on Sunday, you were identified as a heathen. Yeah. People whispered, oh, that's that family that doesn't go to church on Sunday. Now they whisper, oh, that's that family that goes to church every Sunday. Amen. See? Oh, yeah, churches. We're to be in church on Sunday. We're to, we're to honor God with our time. In Hebrews chapter 10, it tells us, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Not to forsake signifies a great infrequency in attendance, a rambling from place to place. It is the duty of saints to assemble together for public worship, for it is God who has appointed it, it is God who approves of it, and it is God whose glory is concerned in it. It is important for us as well that we may be delighted, refreshed, comforted, instructed, edified, and perfected, and it is profitable for the lost that they may be convinced, converted, and brought to the knowledge and faith of Christ. Someone once told me I can, well, when, I, when I'm at a function on Sunday, I can witness to people that aren't in church. You can give a much greater witness and testimony by being in church where you ought to be and telling them I won't involve myself in this on Sunday because I need to be in the house of God. We try to justify our behaviors in so many ways today. Yet the truth of the matter is we're just disobeying the Lord. So let us, let us invest our time to, to use it to honor God. But then secondly, our time, we are to exchange it for good. We're to exchange our time for good. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 7 to 17, we read, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Redeeming the time. I've used this illustration before. When I was a little boy, I'd go to the grocery store with my mom, and they would, she would get S&H green stamps. Any of you remember the old S&H green stamps? And we'd, we'd get in, a, in line at the register, and I'd stand there, and I'd wait patiently because mom would always let me collect up the green stamps. And, and the cashier, as she was ringing things up, and they had the old registers that you pull the handle. And when she'd pull the handle, the stamps would come up. And I'd sit there and watch all the stamps come up. And when she was done, she'd tear off the stamps. And sometimes we had a big, long line of stamps, and she'd hand them to me. And I'd, I'd clutch those things. And we'd get in the car, and I'd sit there on the way home, and I'd count each stamp see how many we had, and I'd tell mom how many we had. And when we got home, she had, a, she had redemption books 
She had the books, and you'd take those books, and you'd open them up, and you'd wet those stamps, and you'd put one stamp in, in the square. Each square, you had a stamp. And, and when you filled so many books, you could take them to the redemption store, and you could change those, exchange those books for something that they had in the store. <clears throat> and I remember getting my first baseman's mitt. I played baseball in first base, and, and I, I, I can't remember how many books it took, but we got enough books, and we went down there, and I got my first baseman's mitt. Oh, what exciting times that was. Well, this is very similar to the time that we have. Paul tells us to redeem our time. In other words, we exchange our time for something. Now, let me ask you this morning, what are you exchanging your time for? Are you exchanging the time God has given you to to worship him, to praise him, to study his word, to glorify him, to honor him? Are you you exchanging your time to labor and work, to provide for your family and to provide for the work of the Lord? Or are we exchanging our time in reveling? Are we exchanging our time in, in, in sin? We have to ask ourselves that question. When we stand before God, he is going to judge us, not for right or wrong, but for what did we do with our time? How did we use the time that he gave us? And some of us are going to suffer, and myself included, will suffer great loss at the judgment seat of Christ because we wasted the time that God gave us. Romans chapter 14 tells us this, But why dost thou uh, judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. And God will, God will examine every moment he gave us, and he will he will examine how we used that time. Did we use it to his glory? Did we use it for self-gratification? Did we use it to proclaim the gospel or did we use it to satisfy our senses? So we must this morning be willing to invest our time. Put God first in your life. Make him, make him of, of prime importance. Every decision you make, Put God in the center and go from there. So invest your time in the Lord. But then secondly, this morning I'd like to say this. We must be willing to invest our talents. We must be willing to invest our talents. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writes this. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Think about your body for a moment. There are what? I don't know. Millions of cells in your body, billions of cells in your body. I'm not a doctor. I don't know. I I didn't pay attention in biology class. But there's a lot of cells, let's say that. And there's a lot of parts to the human body. 
And every one of them is important. And every one serves a purpose. A few little cancer cells in your body can, can what? Can destroy a lot of other cells and can create quite a problem, can it? Hmm? Your big toe. You know, if you don't have your big toe, you, you're in trouble. It's, it's hard to walk without your big toe. You ever, you ever stump your toe and try to walk? Oh, it's hard, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I've had a hair follicle in my eyebrow get infected, and I was miserable from an eyebrow hair. And some of you ladies enjoy plucking those things. I don't know what's wrong with you, I tell you. I saw a woman one day who plucked every eyebrow out and painted on an eyebrow. And I thought to myself, now, why in the world would you do that? You pluck them all out and then color one in. But every part of our body is important. And you know what? Every member of the church is important. God has engifted everyone in this room to be a part of this church and to serve a function. Now, I don't know what your talent is. Your talent might be just to stay awake during the preaching and therefore encourage the pastor. I don't know. Your talent might not seem important to you, but it is important to God. And we must invest the the gifts. We must invest the talents that God has given us. You know, I know people that really have a good voice and can really sing, but they won't get in the choir because they don't want to invest the time for rehearsals. Hmm? I know people that have abilities to do things that we need done around here, but they just won't do them because they don't want to. It goes back to investing your time. They just don't want to make a commitment. You know, some people may say that it's, it's a, a bad thing, but... I have never been able to say no when I've been asked to do something in the church. And, and I've tried in my life, and I'm not perfect, and I'm not setting myself up as an example, but I've tried to use what God has given me to, to, for him, for his purpose. That's what we need. We need, to, we, need to, we need to make sure our children understand how important that is. It's important that we invest the talents that God has given us, the, the abilities that, that the Lord has given us. And by the way, it's been my experience, the more, the more you do for God with what he's given you, the more he's likely to give you. Because if he sees a willingness in you to serve him, he will, he will give you more gifts. He will give you more abilities. We need to invest our talents. Now, let me, let me give you three things. Uh, concerning your talents here. Three important things to remember. First, discover your gifts. I don't know what they are. Maybe you don't know what they are. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, Paul admonishes us to study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Go to the Lord, pray and seek him, ask him, Lord, what? Paul said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? In your daily prayer life, go to the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Show me, Father, your purpose. Show me your will for me today. Help me today to do the things that you want me to do. Discover your gifts. 
Maybe you'll, maybe you'll discover your ability to sing in the shower. I don't, I don't know. I know, I, I know I've gone on camps to camps with Brother Gerald. I've heard him sing in the shower, and I, I know that he doesn't have a gift of song. I'll tell you that. No, I'm joking with him. I'm not, but I am. <laughs> Discover your gifts. Uh, pay attention to what the Lord... You know what? We go through life sometimes like horses with blinders on. We just, we're just going to go where... We, what, what, we're going to go with what we see and that's it. Pay attention to your life. Pay attention to what God is bringing into your life every day. Pay attention to the people you're meeting. Pay attention to the, to the situations you're finding yourself in because God will use those for his glory. He'll use them for his purpose. Take the blinders off. Open your eyes and look for the will of God in everything in your life. We tend, to, we tend to forget that God is involved in our lives. We tend to think that we're, God is not interested. He's not worried about all these little, these little things in our life, but he is. And open your eyes and see what God is doing. Secondly, develop your gifts. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, do you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable in God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Develop the gifts God has given you. How do we develop them? By practicing, by exercising, by, by using them. Whatever it is that God has given you to the ability to do, if it's to encourage people, then do that. Bake a pie and bring it to someone who's hurting. Uh, uh, spend some time with people. Send them, send them cards and letters. Send them emails of encouragement. Develop your gifts. Develop the talents God has given you. Use them. If you can sing, get in the choir. It's a very small investment of time. And use that gift. Develop it. Help it, to, help it to grow. Help it to become more and greater. And then thirdly, deliver your gifts. Deliver them. Romans chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of righteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Develop, deliver your gifts. Use them. Use them. Do something with the, with the abilities that God has given you, whatever it may be. Don't, don't hoard them to yourself. Don't, don't use them for your own personal uh, gratification or for your self-promotion, but use them to, to honor and glorify God. One of the best examples of that, we all know him, is Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley was a Sunday school teacher and a choir director. And he used the abilities God gave him to promote himself and to make himself an idol unto people. He didn't use those gifts to glorify the Lord and, and do good for God. He used them to do good for himself. I heard a preacher once say he witnessed to Elvis Presley in an elevator, and Elvis Presley told him, he said, Preacher, I am a believer. I will be in heaven, but I will be greatly ashamed because I've, I've wasted my life. Is that going to be my testimony? Is that going to be your testimony? Are we going to waste what God has given us 
on the world or are we going to use what God has given us to his glory? And then quickly, lastly this morning, third, we must be willing to invest our treasure. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Invest your treasure in the Lord. Now, of course, here we're talking about giving. We're talking about giving unto God, giving, giving of, our, of our money, giving of our, of our time, giving of our talents. Invest all of these things in the Lord. Let me just give you a couple quick thoughts, and I'll wrap it up. First, you cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. Luke chapter 6 Given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Do you hear that? For the same measure that ye meet to others, it shall be measured to you again. And some people give grudgingly and give stingily, and that's how it returns to them. Some people give abundantly and graciously, and that's how it returns to them. You can't outgive the Lord. First of all, he's going to provide for you simply because he's promised to provide for his children. But would you rather eat T-bone steak or would you rather eat meat byproducts? It's up to you. You want God to bless you abundantly? Then give to him abundantly. You want God to bless you sparingly? Then give to him sparingly. You cannot outgive God. You have to have the right attitude concerning giving i've had people come to me and they said well i tried tithing for a month and i didn't get anything back oh wow a whole month you rob from god the other 11 and you give to him one and you expect him to bless you he's going to provide for you he's going to give you what you need but maybe what you need is a four a four box house instead of a four bedroom house huh you ever think of that You know, God is always righteous. He's always good. He always gives us what we need and what we deserve, right? So maybe that's what we deserve in life sometimes. And we need to get our mind right. We need to get our attitudes right about the Lord and about obedience to him. It is not how much I'm giving up. Rather, it is how much I will receive for my obedience to God. And then secondly, God demands our obedience, Concerning our willingness to invest our treasure, first, I want you to remember you cannot outgive God. And secondly, God demands our obedience. Joshua chapter 7 and verse 1, But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Cormai, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. How many of you remember the story of Achan? God said, when, when, you, when you conquer Jericho, everything in that city is mine. Nothing, everything has to be given to me. But Achan went into a, a, one of the chambers in the, in the city, and he saw a, good, a goodly garment and a, a wedge of silver and, a, and some gold, and he took those things, 
and he hid them in his tent. And God saw it, and God was angered by his disobedience to him. And God sees our disobedience, and he becomes angered by that when we, when we did. How many of you parents get upset when your children disobey you, huh? Any of you? Yeah, we, do you enjoy it? Do you, go in the, do you go over there and say, oh, wait, I'm so happy my son disobeyed me today. No, we don't. We're disappointed. We're even sometimes angered by that. And so is the Lord when we disobey him. Now, God is a gracious father and a wonderful God, and, and he treats us, he, he, he looks beyond our fault and sees our needs, and he provides our needs. But sometimes those provisions are lean and slow, so we need to learn to obey. Listen, God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our money to take care of this church, but he wants he wants us to give so that it can be done, so that he can bless us, so that he can bless us. So what can you and I do today to, to help the work of the Lord in this place? What can we do to be good disciples? First, we can give, a, give God our time. We, second, we can give God our talents. And thirdly, we can give God our treasure and give them with a joyful heart, not, not grudgingly, not sparingly, but abundantly with great joy. All right, folks, that concludes our study on discipleship and the marks of success. Thank you for being here. Uh, and let's go ahead and take a 10-minute break, and you are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.